And here we go. Press the door. Press it, press it. Yeah. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners. Thank you for joining us. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. You can read my work covering the Sooners over at thesoonerswire.com. My buddy here is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at Josh on Ref. You can also hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on 94.7 The Ref in Norman. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel is the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. Josh. It is official. The Oklahoma Sooners, the Texas Longhorns, heading to the SEC in the 2024 season or for the 2024 season. Your initial reaction to the report. It's done. It's done. It's exciting. And I think Oklahoma fans were ready for this moment to arrive. There was, you know, a big step on the brake pads seemingly applied last week, but, uh, in the way of negotiations, sometimes when reports like that come out, maybe it was a little bit misleading. And then you have to get kind of into the weeds on it. And you see that the language of, hey, if they can just get through one or two final elements, they're on the one yard line of the deal. And ultimately, into the end zone we go. Into the SEC we go. The deal is done. And, you know, without getting into too much of the financials tonight, because uh, you know, frankly, Ross Dellinger and Heather Dinich and even a lot of the national voices covering this, John, I think are probably still trying to, in their own way, totally figure out what this all means in terms of the, the we, we know just the generic buyout combined number for Oklahoma and Texas is $100 million. I can tell you that $42.6 million is what Big 12 schools per school earned in this last, uh, well, revenue calendar year that we know of which would have been 2021 2022 so just from that alone john we know that 50 million for oklahoma 42.6 is what these schools in the big 12 got in this last go around so from where i'm sitting man without knowing just the the ins and outs of what is oklahoma getting in its first year financially from the sec from the espn deal bottom line is oklahoma wanted to move on they wanted out the Big 12, they wanted this done uh, a, a year ahead of schedule so they could move on with their future. And, you know, from where it could have been financially, John, I feel like it really is kind of a bargain for Oklahoma. Well, you look at the numbers that they would have had to pay on an exit agreement leaving after the 2025 season based on the contract that they had with the Big 12, which was $80 million. They're only having to pay the Oklahoma Sooners. That is, they only have to pay fifty million. It's a combined one hundred million between the two schools. Like, that's a. I mean, that's that is a win. That is a bit of a bargain. Yes, it's a lot of money to, to shell out, but it's significant that you get to start having your SEC schedule in twenty twenty four. You get to start hosting SEC teams in twenty twenty four. It's going to be good for your town, good for the brand, good for the network. 
uh, you know, ESPN gets what it wants in Oklahoma and Texas joining the league when their new deal with uh, the SEC goes into effect in 2024. So I think it is a win-win-win all the way around. You know, the Big 12, they are able to get a sizable chunk of change uh, upon this, this exit. And they also get to kind of move on as well. You know, they get to start building their brand as, you know, maybe the third best conference in America, you know, kind of battling out with the ACC. But it's it's a situation where they don't have to sit and have this OU Texas thing lingering and hanging over their head for the next two years. You know, like this is something that's done now. You know, a year and a half from now, we know Oklahoma and Texas will be going to the Big 12 or sorry, to the SEC and the Big 12 can start really pushing their newer schools, the Big 12 as it is or as it will be and kind of moving on with life without Oklahoma and Texas. And so I think all the way around, it just allows everybody to move on. You're not sitting there just wondering when's this going to happen. It's not going to be the biggest talking point every single week in Big 12 football. We know it. It's done. It's final. Everybody can start actually gearing up for spring ball and start focusing on what's happening on the field. You know, the 2024 recruiting class, the 2023 season, and just focus on football. And I think that's, that's going to be a good thing for Brett Yormark, good thing for the big 12, because the more that this OU Texas thing hung over everybody's head, the more it took away from, you know, what was a fantastic season for the big 12 this year, where they really showcased the depth that they have as a conference and then had a team go to the, the college football playoff and the national championship. Now, obviously TCU, that story took a lot of, I mean, it carried a lot of the news cycle, the media cycle, but there was always still that lingering. When's OU in Texas going to go? When are they going to go? Is 2024 or 2023 going to be the last season? Now we know that it is for sure. And there's a lot to kind of, take away from that. Uh, I mean, the way that the schedule played out for Oklahoma in particular is, is very interesting considering that now this is the last year that they'll be playing in the big 12. Yeah. I'm just fascinated to, as this goes along, figure out what the immediate share is going to be for Oklahoma and Texas in the sec. I think that's a really interesting puzzle piece here for those two in terms of, you know, how punitive in a sense is this for both? I mean, to me, basically on the surface, it kind of sounds like, okay, they're giving up one year's worth of revenue in the big 12 to get out. And then they're not going to get a full share in the sec their first year over there, but they'll probably get a pretty healthy share. So all things considered, it's uh, it's just, I think a win for sort of everybody involved, right? The big 12 acted quickly. Uh, you know, one of the interesting pieces of the Ross Dellinger piece was that, there were three orders of business for Brett Yormark in year one as the Big 12 commissioner. Number one was, okay, expand, which mission accomplish. You got BYU, Houston, Cincinnati, UCF. You got that part taken care of. And, oh, by the way, the eight existing Big 12 schools, they gave up cash, I think 16 combined over the two years per school to get those schools in. So that was step one. Step two? Get OU and Texas out. Take care of the exit fee. Get it taken care of. And then step three is more expansion. So that was kind of an interesting nugget from uh, Dellinger. But obviously for these Big 12 schools, John, it's uh, it's good for them because guess what? It, it, you know, not all of this cash is going to Fox, just a, just a small percentage of it. And, you know, if you, you miss some of the other details of it, part of what got this deal done, remember Fox was a hang-up here. And one of the things they did – was swap the Michigan Texas location the the two dates 
So the series between Michigan and Texas, now Texas will visit Michigan in 24. So they're off to Ann Arbor in 2024, and Michigan will return the game in Austin in 2027. That was that was opposite, but this was accomplished to get this deal done. So I just look across the board, and you know, kind of everybody can sort of make a case to themselves we're a winner in the deal, right? We kept hearing that phrasing, everybody wants to be made whole. And John, yeah, I mean, Oklahoma, Texas, if you could have paid less than 50 million, sure, you would have loved to have paid less than 50 million, but it's a far cry from 160 million. The big 12 schools, you're getting some of that cash back that you gave uh, gave out to get these schools in straight away. For your mark, it looks like he's got things put together, right? Because he got the deal done with those schools and he got OU and Texas out so quick. So everybody has something to feel good about the TV networks. They can feel good about it. So it's a, it's a win, win, win for everybody. I think. Yeah. The rare win, 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 where it seems like, you know, based on the statements, everybody was, you know, in good feelings, good standings as things transpired. I mean, and this is what business looks like, right? You don't get caught up in the emotion. You just go, you negotiate, you do it in good faith and you make a decision that's going to help everybody or, and allow everybody to kind of save face and get what they want. And ultimately this is what it comes down to business doesn't have to be personal. And that's, and I think that's the advantage that the big 12 does have now bringing in a guy like Brett Yormark, as opposed to having, you know, a, a university administrator as the commissioner, maybe they're not as, as a uh, keyed in on how to, to, to manage these negotiations where it doesn't become personal and it doesn't become one of these things where at the end of it, everybody's you know taking shots at one another. And it, and there's these really, there's a lot of animosity. It, you read the statements and it doesn't seem like that. Now, obviously statements are statements, but it, it felt like from the beginning, Brett Yormark was kind of ready to get into negotiations with the, with Oklahoma and Texas with, you know, Crystal Conti and, you know, Joe Castiglione and, and then the university presidents in good faith and in a way that wasn't going to be contentious and it wasn't going to be personal. It was going to be about the business because it's just business. And ultimately, that's what it came down to is the business aspect of it all. And we're going to continue to break it all down uh, here after the break. But Josh is going to talk to you about FanDuel. And I think now one of the things that is so curious is I want to say the SEC schedule, John, came out pretty quickly this past fall. So we're not too far away, I don't think, for, you know, and I know you got a 2023 season in front of you, but let's talk about it. We, we've had these discussions before. What do we want on this initial SEC schedule? I don't think we're that far away from having that discussion about what the 2024 schedule uh, ultimately is going to look like, uh, at least from an SEC standpoint for Oklahoma. But you're right. Yes, the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 57. Let's go. Giddy up. Get after it. FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel.com backslash locked on where you can make every moment more. And we're so excited about our partnership with FanDuel, and you should be excited about this. You place your first $5 bet. New customers, you join today, place that first $5 bet. You're getting started with $150 in free bets. Guaranteed. And uh, we had we had mentioned some of these in the past. I'll just a couple of these. Color of the Gatorade port on the winning head coach, right? Everybody loves a good Super Bowl prop. Is it yellow, green, lime? plus 150 is it orange plus 280 blue plus 350 red pink plus 650 clear in water is uh 
plus 1000 and purple is plus 1000. So man, that's uh if you're just looking to have a little bit of fun, that's kind of a, a neat wager. The, the number right where it's been Eagles by a point and a half and the over under at 50 and a half for the Super Bowl coming up on Sunday. Again, uh, new customers join today and get started with that $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. So go on over there, download the app, safe, secure, super easy to use, and uh, head on over to fanduel.com backslash locked on. We're not too far away, John, I don't think, from an Oklahoma SEC schedule. So now would be the appropriate time, I think, to revisit some of the discussion topics we've had in the past. What do we want this makeup of Oklahoma's situation schedule-wise to look like in the SEC? I'm pretty, I'm pretty sold on the idea that Arkansas has to be a part of it for Oklahoma, and I mean, obviously, the no-brainer is that Texas is a part of it. But where do you where do you stand with what you would like to see happen now for Oklahoma? Yeah, I mean, I've kind of gone back and forth on on a little bit of this. Obviously, the no-brainer is Texas. You're going to be matched up with Texas every single year. The SEC would be foolish not to have that game played every single year. And so it's going to happen. The next one is Arkansas. You know, yes, you lose, you know, kind of a regional rival in Oklahoma State. You lose Bedlam. Well, you can get an opportunity to create another one of those with Arkansas. You know, Oklahoma, Arkansas, they there's a bit of a you know state rivalry already. They haven't played much in their history. But now is an opportunity to kind of create something new. It's a regional matchup that will just have the whole area buzzing and be very well attended on both sides. Like the visiting tickets will just be sold out because the travel is so easy. Uh, and then this is the one I've kind of gone back and forth on. Do you take the team that you've had kind of the, the most recent run in with in Texas A&M? Uh, I mean, obviously, you've got the history with Missouri. I tend to lean towards Missouri because that's a rivalry that I say rivalry. That's a matchup that goes back 90 plus games. I can't remember the exact number, but they've played a ton in their histories. And I think you can do a little bit more maybe with Texas A&M in some of those, you know, other kind of Southern Southeast conference teams like LSU, the Mississippi teams, um, you know, maybe even Arkansas, you can get them involved as well. If you're looking at three permanent rivals, they don't all have to play each other. And so Arkansas's permanent rivals could be Oklahoma, Texas, Texas A&M. And I mean, that's a rough one. That's a rough, you know, three game stretch. But at the same time, like you get, you're not going to get as, as difficult of a other six sometimes as you might, you know, get by having say like Vanderbilt as one of them. So I think like I've kind of rested on this Missouri, you get your Northern border, you know, Arkansas, you get your Eastern border and then I say northern border, kind of northeast border. And then Arkansas, you get your eastern border. And then Texas, you got your southern border. And you just border war it. I mean, I, I think that'd just be a lot of fun. And, hey, you know, it, it, it could, you know, one day you might get Colorado back on your schedule and, and have all four four borders um, go in one season and, and just have a lot of fun with that. And I, I just think there'd be way too much fun that could be had with Arkansas and Oklahoma every single year. I mean, just the between the, the state governors, between, you know, people who are friends and family who you know, have, you know, fan affiliations on either side of the border. And then just the Missouri thing, again, I think it just, because it goes back so far and that's one of the things like we're kind of upset about with the 2023 schedule and that we don't get Kansas state. It's you know not getting to play Missouri, a team that you've played 90 plus times. Now it 
it's not a team that rates as high as Oklahoma state or Texas. And it might not even be a team that like moves the needle as much as Texas A&M. But again, you've played them 90 something times. I'm going to have to go to Winsipedia just to look to see how many times they played, but you've played them that many times. Like it just makes sense to, to continue to play that team. You know, I, uh, I'm probably going to be okay with just about anything because if you go to a three, six, you know, the six rotating model, you're going to see everybody every other year. And even if it's not a permanent rival, you're going to get to host these schools once every four years. So however they, they go about doing it with the permanent rivals, ultimately I'm going to be okay with, I can actually, you could talk me into a dream scenario, John, that wouldn't be, wouldn't be the easiest setup. I think probably the most favorable setup in terms of likely opponents would probably be Missouri, Arkansas, Texas. But, uh, you know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of ready to get a little crazy with it. Give me some Arkansas LSU in Texas. I would love LSU as a permanent rival. I just think, uh, you know, Oklahoma fans already dislike LSU so much from the, the national championship game played between the two. So it, it sets up to be, I think, a tremendous rivalry from day one if you did it. I don't think we'll get that. I think you have uh, the correct setup. I think it'll be Missouri, Arkansas, and Texas if you go the, the three permanent rivals route for Oklahoma. So, But uh, you, you could talk me into Texas, Arkansas, and A&M, or you could talk me into Texas, Arkansas, and LSU. I guess what I'm saying is I'm locked in, man. Give me Texas. Give me Arkansas. And uh, we, we could discuss the third. Yeah, we can wild card the third. And, you know, Texas is going to get a really interesting one because they get to reunite with, you know, Arkansas as a former Southwest Conference buddy. So that's, that's I mean, and see, that's the thing I really like about this move is it, it reunites some of the older rivalries, the Texas, Texas A&M thing, the Texas, Arkansas thing, Oklahoma, Missouri, and, and then creates a whole new opportunity for college football where like we're not having to look 10 years down the road for an Oklahoma, Florida matchup, for example, or an Oklahoma, Alabama matchup. Like you're going to get that on a regular basis. So you're going to get the Crimson Tide coming to Norman, which just seems crazy to think of. And, and you're going to get to go to Tuscaloosa. So it's going to be so much fun, you know, every year when that schedule comes out, because it's going to create a lot of buzz, just kind of like this year did with the big 12, because you didn't know exactly how the schedule was going to break down because you had so many teams that you weren't going to play everybody. That's going to be the same thing in the sec year after year is that schedule time will create a ton of buzz around the league because yeah, you got your three permanent, but then what do those other six games look like on the schedule? I mean, I'm sure that they'll find some kind of rotation to make it all equitable, but man, it's going to be fun to figure out, okay, who are our road dates this year? Who's our home dates? Like, who are we going to have to travel to? It's, it's going to be so, so much fun, man. And so we're going we're gonna to talk about why this is important for Oklahoma, why this is important to do it now, as opposed to waiting until the 2025 season. Um, Josh, hit me with that. Like, why do you think it was so important for Oklahoma, for Texas, for the, you know, really for them to get this done now? So aside of the, aside from, from the reasons of it's just kind of best for all parties, right. To rip the bandaid off. I do think from this standpoint too, John, you probably with this 2023 signing class spent so much of it selling the idea, Hey, you're coming here to play in the sec Jackson Arnold, 
you're going to be our quarterback that is going to lead us to the top of the SEC and against Alabama and against LSU and on and on and on and on and on. And then all of a sudden, it's like screeching halt there for a moment, right? Like, oh, no. Is Oklahoma going to be in the Big 12 Conference now for the duration of this grant of rights? So you had, in my mind, without being on those Zoom calls or on campus for those uh, recruitment you know, visits and meetings, John, it was pretty obvious that one of the things really across the board, not even just football, basketball, baseball, all of it, one of the selling points was, hey, come here to Oklahoma and you've got a chance now in this next group to be a member of the SEC and to compete in the SEC. So, you know, not that it would have been – you would have been okay, right? And I think this staff's a, a great enough set of recruiters that they would have been just fine in the 2024 cycle – selling these guys on the idea that, hey, it's going to be a little bit longer than maybe we initially thought. But having said that, it's just easier since this is kind of the messaging you've already been passing along. It's just time for that message that you've been putting out there on the recruiting trail, John, to just simply be fact, not like, hey, w- when will we? We think it's coming up soon. Like, no, it, it's there's finality to it. Yeah, and then maybe as soon as 2024, you're getting games in Florida where you're getting an opportunity to play in front of a whole new set of recruits that know about you, but haven't yet gotten a chance to see your brand on TV. And potentially by that time, your defense is in much better shape that you're putting out a, a, Clem, a, a Brent Venables Clemson style defense that kids are going to want to be a part of. And we know the offense is going to be really, really good. And they've already had a lot of success recruiting out of Florida, but now you're getting, you're going to be on TVs in the Southeast on a regular basis. And so these kids, these prospects that, come from this flourishing recruiting ground are now going to see your brand on television and be able to relate to that a little bit. So when they, when they hear what coaches are talking about, they'll be able to see it on Saturdays and be like, yeah, that, you know, that fast, you know, aggressive physical defense that Brent Venables wants to deploy. I want to be a part of that or that up tempo. We're going to, you know, run a ton of plays and sling it around the yard and, and run the football with some power run game. I want to be a part of that. Like there's a lot to potentially be excited about. Now you're going to be on a hold, you know, yes, you'll be on, on TV in your region in Texas and Oklahoma, but now you're getting to be in Florida, in Alabama, in Louisiana on a much more regular basis than you might've been before. The interesting thing now, just in terms of watching this next season play out and how the fan fan base responds to it. And what are the results on the field going to look like? The conversation that I've heard a lot out there, John, and I know you've heard it too. We've had the discussion right here from, you know, folks on the the live show with us or in the, just the YouTube comments portion, which appreciates you guys love your feedback. Always the idea out there that, Oh, well, it's not the worst thing that we get a little bit more time to build up this roster. Okay. Well, speaking of ripping the bandaid off, that's gone. So how are Oklahoma fans going to now view this, this, you want to win always, right? And you want to win big always. But now, now that there is again finality and it's clear that Oklahoma and Texas, this is it. This is it and you're off to the SEC. The fan base, John, I think it ramps up for Oklahoma fans the importance of, hey, this cannot be anywhere close to six and seven now. It, the Oklahoma fans need to see this Oklahoma team be nine wins, 10 wins back in the big 12 championship game, win the big 12 on the way out, something 
something, hey, knocking on the door of that, right? I think that now this season for Oklahoma, it really ramps up in importance now, now that we know this news, John. Yeah, and it, it gives everybody that kind of urgency, like, all right, we got to get ready. You know, yes, the Big 12 is tough. It is tough. But then we're going to the SEC where it's the games are a little bit tougher. The games are more physical. The games are faster. And that's what you got to get ready for. But as we've, as I've mentioned, like you're always chasing Bama, you're always chasing Georgia, whether you're in the SEC or not. So to me, it doesn't make any difference whether you're playing, you know, you're trying to win a national championship from the Big 12 or you're trying to win a national championship from the SEC. The goal is still the same. You're still chasing the same teams. Might as well get in there with them, start mixing it up, see what you got really evaluate yourself and figure out what you got to do differently. And to quote the great Ric Flair, to be the band, to be the man, you got to beat the man to beat the best or to be the best. You got to beat the best. I butchered that. Sorry, nature boy. Um, That's what you got to do. And you can't regularly prove yourself until you're in there mixing it up with the best. And that's Alabama and that's Georgia and, you know, a little bit LSU I mean, they won a national championship recently. They're really good this last year. And now Tennessee, you know, like you've got to be in there with those teams, mixing it up. Like you have to, otherwise you're not going to be able to really ascend past what you've been, you know, in particularly in the, the last decade. So to me, it was never, I was never afraid of going to the SEC or never felt like, okay, now we got to build up the roster. We got to make sure we have a you know, transition period to make sure everybody's on the same page and, and we got this this talent level right. Like, no, like you need to be ready to go. The SEC is not going to wait for you. They're not going to wait for you to get your roster right. So why would you want to wait to get your roster right? Like go in there, get your, you know, take your lumps. If Oklahoma is Oklahoma and we're always going to be able to recruit because we're Oklahoma, then it shouldn't matter if we're taking lumps in the big 12 or in the sec or for winning games in the big 12 or the sec, it doesn't matter. Oklahoma is going to be Oklahoma. As Bob Stoops said, it, nothing changes. And so why would you be concerned about having to go a year earlier than what you might have just because the level of competition is better? No, nah, that to me, that's scared. That's scared talk. And with all due respect to a lot of the, you know, the greats in Oklahoma football who kind of mentioned that, I feel like that's just that's kind of you know sitting on the ball uh, if you're Anna Darko and just holding it and and not trying to win, not playing to win the game, uh, as Herm Edwards once said. You, you, or not Herm Edwards. I'm just mixing up everybody. Ray Rhodes, um, you play to win the game, and like I, that's that's where I'm at. And so I think getting the Sooners to the big to the SEC in 2024. It's the best thing for them because it then allows them to establish their, their new identity as an SEC team and really target the David Stones and be like, no, you're coming into the SEC as a true freshman and probably you're going to get a chance to play or Williams and Winery. Like you guys are going to be the first recruiting class that we have as an SEC team. How cool would that be? Man. And now there's these narratives as we, get hot and heavy into the 2024 cycle. Can Oklahoma duplicate or surpass what it did in its last signing class because they now have that chip to toss to the center of the table? I mean, there's so many wrinkles to this. The bottom line is this, you know, financials aside, uh, the schedule going forward in the SEC aside, the importance of now this next season aside, it's just a happy day to be an Oklahoma Sooner, isn't it? 
you, you wanted this sense of clarity. You wanted this, you know, fog to get lifted over what the future looked like for when and if Oklahoma and Texas were getting to the SEC. So it started way back when with, well, wait a second, is there some truth to this Houston Chronicle report? Then that changed very, very quickly. And then for, you know, a little while here, we've been stuck on this. When the heck are they going to get out of this thing? And now we know. So it's just exciting, man. I mean, more than anything, that's probably the biggest takeaway today is it's an exciting time for Oklahoma fans. And that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. We thank you so much for being a part of the show. Thank you for subscribing to the show wherever you get your podcasts and for making us your first listen every single day. Make sure you're also subscribed to the show over on YouTube. Hit the notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. But for Josh Helmer, I'm John Williams. We'll talk to you next time. Boomer Sooner.